0: I've entitled it, Stop Your Cheating Eyes. It uh, deals with Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 27 uh, through 30. Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30. I'll give you a second to turn there in your Bibles. It's uh, Society and culture is rife or <laughs> very prominent in individuals following their heart. Uh, but without the consideration of the ramifications... By living for their heart, I mean, for instance, if a man or a woman sees an individual that is attractive, whether on an electronic device or not, they may gaze upon this person, and they may even allow their minds to go further to really uh, analyze the, the features of the individual with which they're coveting. And Jesus condemns such speaking, such speech, and thoughts. In verse 27 of Matthew chapter 5, ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And the truth here is, in the Lord Jesus Christ, obviously, is he's giving these principles to his disciples. He's telling them, these men, that you need to control your thinking. If you cannot control the thought life, you're going to really struggle to be a light for himself. And unless we are different from the debaucherous society we live in, that we will lack our impact. We must radiate Christ's life, and we have to yield not only our bodies to the Lord, but also our hearts, our mind, our will, and our emotions to His sovereign control. And so the truth this evening, and the principle is, cleanse your thinking to become a true disciple of Christ. Let's go to the Lord and ask for His blessing upon this time, and then we'll delve into part two of a message we did several weeks ago. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your grace, and Father, I do pray as we look at this passage of Scripture this evening, Father, I pray that I would do so in a way that would be clear, concise, be appropriate, and Father, I pray that you would help us. Lord, it's a, as the summertime comes, there also comes a lack of clothing in many people in society. And Father, I pray that You would help us to guard our thoughts and to veer away from that which would lead us down a very disastrous path. And so, Lord, I ask for Your help. I cannot do it. I yield this time to Thee. I love You and thank You for Your grace. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We had spoken about, uh, several weeks ago, in the sacredness of marriage, the exclusivity about thou shalt not commit adultery and thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife there in Exodus and the Ten Commandments. We'd spoken about Hebrews 13, about marriage being honorable in all and the bed undefiled. We did, I'd gone through and discussed those particular words. i talked about the sweetness of femininity and innocence that men and women are equal. But we also need to guard the children. We also, and if you think about this, there is no area with which our society seeks to draw our attention as in the area of uh, inappropriate material. Uh, the very Jesus draws on the fact that our sins deal not only as he's speaking here in the Pharisees and dealing as they deal with a lot of external rituals. Jesus is saying, listen, your thinking is absolutely pivotal to having a right standing before me. Wrong thinking will inevitably lead towards wrong actions, as we're going to see and demonstrate. To be sexually pure is not only physically, but also mentally. Jesus elevates his authority above that of the Pharisees and Sadducees in, in, in this passage, because in verse 28, you know, ye have heard that it was said. So the Pharisees and Sadducees are going to give you verse 27. But Jesus elevates himself above that to the place of authority, but I say unto you. So again, he's giving great prominence to what he's about ready to say. Wrong thoughts leads to wrong actions. Mark, excuse me, Matthew twelve thirty four. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So Jesus understands that if I don't deal with heart issues, it affects me and my actions. And we cannot fool God with our pious speech but raunchy thinking. Because we learn in Luke six forty five, it says, An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. That's a portion of that verse. But the principle here is, and then it says, For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. So if we have in our imaginations of our heart, which was Genesis chapter six, verse five, and, and God saw all the imaginations of the heart, I mean, God destroyed civilization for the imaginations of their heart, as we learn with Noah. So there must be a dealing with thoughts. And it, it can come very enticing, and you know, kind of like web surfing or internet you know, I don't even know what they call it anymore, but you know, our impure thoughts can lead, and it starts in our heart. Proverbs 625, lust not after her beauty, which is outward, in thine heart, neither let he take thee with her eyelids. If you were to look at 2 Samuel chapter 11 and then 2 Samuel chapter 12, you would find David's thinking degraded in this very spiral action. Because he didn't stop with the viewing of Bathsheba as she was showering, he began to ponder upon it and began to allow his thinking to go very inappropriately. And it says in David, it says, a woman was very beautiful to look upon. It says, and then verse 3 of 2 Samuel 11, and David sent and inquired after the woman, and one of his servants says, and one said, is, this, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. So David's downfall was a failure to deal with his thoughts. We understand that our heart directs our life. Our heart affects our attitudes. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7, that's the first portion of that verse. And we understand it, that it defiles us in our heart. So Jesus is saying if you don't deal with our thoughts, it, it penetrates into our heart and therein we evidence it in our actions. You're going to act out what's in your heart. And the secrecy of lust that Jesus deals with as Jesus says here, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, that word or lust has the idea of a immoral or a sexual interest in someone, desire or crave of them. So it is coveting if I want something that is outside the bounds that God has established fornication, adultery, coveting, etc. So coveting is wanting something to please myself that is apart from what is right. But a godly desire is to seek to possess something that God offers freely. Now, the su- seduction of women, and it could be men too, or society goes both ways in this now, but our hearts are drawn to lust through the senses of our eyes and our ears, for instance, music. There are some times that, unfortunately, you know, in some of the past, you know, you might. I I can hear a song, a song might pop up, and it brings back some images, maybe of a a movie I'd watched in the past that was not good, and and I'm like, Lord, just take that. But we also understand in this whole thing here, to lust after her hath committed adultery, that there's a certain wardrobe that is displeasing to the Lord and clearly sensual. I'd like you to look with me at Proverbs 7, verse 10. And I'm not going to go into all of the details of wardrobe this evening, I, but I, I wanted to bring this up in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 10. In verse 10 of Proverbs chapter 7, and behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. That attire is a garment. So an individual doesn't need to wear a Hutterite clothing or some ancient clothing to be modest and meek. There is an appropriate de- dress, as 1 Timothy two nine discusses. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. The word modest here is of dress characterized by respectability, modest, and sensible, in accordance with standards relating to decency. The idea here of shamefacedness is a term expressing the opposite of considering or treating something in a common or ordinary manner, reverence, respect of women's modesty. So there is a clothing, there is a way of dress that can obviously induce a, a greater look. Or, desire, or that is the intent of that clothing. Because it tells us here, in Proverbs 7.10, the, the attire of a harlot. We don't need to explain that, but we understand that clothing that is meant to accentuate parts uh, that, you know, <laughs> accentuate parts of the body. Men or women. And, What understanding here is, is that it is the attire that draws the senses of the simple man in Proverbs chapter 7. If you look, in verse 7, it talks about a simple one. And he is drawn by her flattery of speech, but also her clothing with the enticement to look at her. So there is a morality to clothing. Wrong thinking. Luke chapter 8, verse 17, for nothing is secret that shall be not shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. There's nothing secret. Everything will be revealed. A little statistics on some effects of an individual that delves into inappropriate uh, material, inappropriate images. In fact, in marriage, it will lead to less satisfaction with the the spouse, less emotional attachment. It also is a pathway to infidelity and divorce, frequently a major factor in family disasters. Among couples affected by one's addiction to inappropriate images, two-thirds experience a loss of interest in romance. It also leads to a loss of good family relations. It is addictive, images. And whether it's just images or even in society, placing yourself in an area uh, where it is very common and it can desensitize an individual, where they would seek uh, to look at more lewd images. And there's, but also this lewdness. Then it debases, much like you'd have with Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, to the place wherein abnormal immorality is sought after, aggression, and greater promiscuity. And but it also debases men and women to objects of one's illicit desires. It leads to greater out-of-wedlock births and obviously STDs. Those who would violate children are more likely to view it regularly and be involved in its distribution. Uh, Males who become used to this are going to continue to seek more and more and seek to be more inappropriate. But in Ecclesiastes 12.14, it tells us, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. God will judge. The the harm is that it objectifies women, children, and belittles monogamous relationships as boring. It leads to the disintegration of the moral fabric of society. It lets the norm of marriage and children be an obstacle to the fulfillment of one's lusts. And as we would find that it impacts your children, David's actions in 2 Samuel 11 with Bathsheba, his, inappropriate, his inability to deal with his thought life, it impacted his children with Amnon. Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. 2 Samuel 13, 2. For she was a virgin, Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. And it physically affected him. David didn't deal with his thinking and his uh, refusal to be holy in his thought life, it impacted his children. And it causes, as one uh, source gives, it causes anatomical changes to the brain and results in an addiction. But more importantly, it results in an addiction of the soul and the spirit for that which is not of God. But with this, it brings shame. We find in Samuel, excuse me, Psalm 32, three and four, you look with me here, David with the sin with Bathsheba, Psalm 32, Psalm 51, David crying out. But it results in an increase in grief and physical weakness. in Psalm 32, three and four. 32 3. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me, my moisture is turned into the drought of summer, Selah. David saying, Listen, when I didn't say anything and I didn't make it right with God, it increased my grief and my physical weakness. And the key finding on the effects of this is given by Patrick Fagan. Is that when adolescents get into inappropriate images, they feel shame, they feel diminished self confidence, uh, they will feel an uncertainty about themselves, and it will lead to a seared conscience. What happens, unfortunately, is it brings God's judgment and abandonment. Israel would do this. In Ex- excuse me, Ezekiel 16. But as a wife that committeth adultery would take his strangers instead of her husband, Ezekiel sixteen thirty two, and then verse 33, they give gifts to all whores, but thou givest thy gifts to all thy lovers, and hirest them, that they may come unto thee on every side for thy whoredom. Israel committed adultery with pagan nations. And then in verse 36 and 37, this sin will be revealed to others, and God goes in to the judgment of how he'll do. And unfortunately, it will be revealed. There was several years ago, a prominent uh, evangelical that uh, was noted to be on a site. He was married, and he was noted to be on a site, and it was revealed by some hackers. And it was quite crushing. Some other things came out about this man. But this also when an individual goes into this and does not deal with their thoughts as the Lord Jesus Christ tells us to do, they will abandon godly virtues. And it will leave the things of God. Because when our heart pursues itself, it will leave the things of the Lord. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Adam and Eve, they pursued self and they hid themselves from God. And it brought with them scorn. But not only that, an individual who ends up searing their conscience or is so absorbed in their sin, of their addiction, of their lusts, their their besetting sin. In Matthew 14, 3-5, when you think about Herod, for Herod had laid hold on John, speaking of John the Baptist, and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. John said unto him, it is not lawful for thee to have her. And when we have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But he would end up putting him to death. The wife that he had married of his brother, I mean, she was married to his brother. She hated him. She wanted her sin and she hated anyone that did right. But Jesus here, he gives us in verse 29 of Matthew 5, he gives us a security of retreat. He talks about plucking out your eye, casting it from you, and the principle is to flee the sin. Exactly as Joseph did in Genesis 39. There must be an escape of the lure of an individual that is seeking for immorality. Ecclesiastes 7.26, Solomon, late in his life, he writes, by the inspiration of the Spirit of God, I and I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands as bands. Whoso pleaseth God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. In First Corinthians 6.18, flee fornication. So the thing is, is there must be a fleeing of the sin, but there also must, but for an individual who refuses to flee, there's a snare. Proverbs seven. Where the woman in Proverbs 7 says, Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. And then verse 26, For she hath cast down many wounded. There's a snare. When that first image appears on the phone, on the television, on the whatever device, or even out in public, it ought to not go any further with our thoughts. Turn it away. There must be a prayer for a spouse. If an individual is single and maybe they're struggling in this area, 1 Corinthians 7, 9, But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. So there's nothing wrong with marriage. And so, potentially, if these thoughts come, you say, God, I pray for a godly spouse. 1 Corinthians 7, 2 and 3, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. There is a prayer that God would give a spouse. But before an individual is worthy of being a spouse, they must deal with their thought life. Don't bring evil thinking into a marriage. There must also be a faithfulness to God's house. And you are stronger with others' help there's a lot of stuff out there there's a lot of you can have a positive peer pressure for holiness acts chapter 19 uh, you know in this whole idea here look with me in acts chapter 19 now the, acts chapter 19 in the context of this uh, passage of, of scripture uh, acts 19:18 uh, they're dealing with magic and arts and all sorts of spells and demonic stuff but there's a positive peer pressure for holiness. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. That's verses 18 and 19 of Acts 19. So there's a positive peer pressure. In Ecclesiastes four twelve, and if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You are stronger. If this is an area of an individual's life, it is best to have someone that you trust that can help hold you accountable. If this is an area of struggle, and you know the accountability is not that you know what we all have different struggles. But saying, you know what? I want to stay strong for the Lord. I'm going to have an accountability. There also needs to be an understanding if an individual is in this and someone was to approach you about, hey, I've got this problem. I'm really struggling and I don't know how to deal with it. There is a biblical way to deal with it. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Rather than scorning an individual and rather than coming hard after an individual who may be struggling in this area. Because that's the last thing an individual who is struggling needs. They don't need someone. I mean, if they're coming, uh, if an individual comes to you and says, listen, I'm struggling in this area, they obviously have humbled themselves to say, listen, I need help. And as a believer, I have the responsibility and kindness and love and compassion to come alongside and say, you know what, I'll walk with you. In verse 1 of Galatians chapter 6, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. There's sometimes this thought, if I tell someone in the church, then they won't know, they won't, they'll look at me wrong. But you realize if it's an individual who's dealing maybe on uh, inappropriate material on their electronic devices or uh, just in general and they're really struggling and they come to you, uh, you know what, they're making a huge step. The fear of what others think can so entrap a believer that they're never going to tell anyone and they'll never receive victory. Sometimes it's merely just telling someone else, saying, listen, I'm struggling. And the Christian has the responsibility and the prerogative before the Lord to say, listen, I'm going to walk with you. It's okay. It's a serious thing. We worry so much about what others think about our image as Christians But I would hate for someone to be stuck, if if they're stuck in this sinful lifestyle, and not able to get out of it. I don't have a right to judge them in harshness, but I would come along and say, you know what, let's walk this together and see, let's find victory. Do you realize that Job would understand the importance of morally pure thoughts? Job thirty one one I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? So what we must do is cut and flee. The, and Jesus, as he's telling us here in Matthew 5, If thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee, that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Listen, if this is something that is a source of temptation, and you do not have accountability, I would say get it immediately. If it goes so far and the electronic devices and an individual is so privy to going around any accountability software or whatever may be there, then I would say get rid of the phone. Stay away from beaches and places where there may be individuals not appropriately dressed. Stay away from movies and shows and TV or anything with inappropriate scenes. Stop listening to music that will praise immoral relationships. Guard your mind. There's a lot of accountability software out there. And just because an individual may have accountability uh, doesn't necessarily mean there's an issue either. But it just says, listen, for my sake and for the sake of others, I'm going to do it because I want to maintain the testimony for Christ. I know with, uh, I think it's at Canadian Baptist Bible College, they have all of their students get... Uh, I think it's covenant eyes that they have to get. And they give the password, and they give the, the to the dean of students. Because they want to make sure the students are safe. Because it's knocked many people out of the ministry. Here's some interesting statistics on relational effects. According to the final report of the Attorney General's, now this is quite aged, about 30-something years, 36 37 years, 1985 Commission on uh, Pornography. Substantial exposure to material of this type will increase acceptance of the proposition that women, uh, you could put whatever, individuals like to be forced into immorality. even and, and it might even go so far when an individual says no, that they're still meaning yes. And that's what this report would find. I was abbreviating it. And... And they found, at that time, boys in the age of 12 to 17 were the largest consumer group. The only true, and they they go on to say, the only true policing available to prevent children from entering inappropriate Internet sites is the involvement of parents and guardians in computer use, unsupervised minors who are naturally curious to learn about That which is within marriage alone are a mere click away from entering these sites. Jesus here in 29 and 30 says, listen, if it is a struggle, you need to take drastic action. And just because an individual may not be unfaithful to their spouse... If a person's single, just because they may not be committing the acts of, of fornication does not mean they're not causing great damage to those they interact with. Because it will affect your attitude. Those in this sin tend to have an anger problem. Especially if they're a Christian, because they're double-minded, right? James talks about They will have an issue with their eyes looking at others with lust. They may be more easily agitated, become an angry person. We cannot be a true disciple of Jesus Christ and viewing inappropriate material or failing to deal with our thinking. If it is in the life of an individual, they have to deal with it. There needs to be a striving for holiness. An illustration for you, when silver is mined from the ground, it is commonly mixed with a number of other elements. In order to get pure silver that can be used for commercial or industrial purposes, it must be refined. Silver has an extraordinarily high melting point. It must be heated to nearly 2200 degrees in order to be refined to complete purity. Only when it has been through that process does the silver become useful for its intended function. Beautiful service pieces, high-tech equipment, and collectible coins all become possible once the silver has been refined. Without that process, it is largely worthless. And God's desire is that we would deal in the purification process of our lives. You see, Satan is delighted when we allow wicked influences to remain in our lives. Because they keep us from being what we should be for the Lord. Paul would warn the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15.33, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Bad friends, ungodly friends, you know, lots of exposure to them, it's going to lead us in a wrong direction. It's going to impact our uh, our testimony. Jesus, it will impact our thinking as well. Would we agree that any relations and thoughts of intimacy are only to be had within the bounds of marriage? And to that we would say yes, Genesis one. I'll read Genesis one as my last few verses for this evening. Genesis one twenty three through twenty five and verse twenty eight. Some of the statistics I gave, or just to get an understanding of this, I watched a, a video some years ago, and uh, the, the, the gentleman, the evangelical author, had stated that, you know, oftentimes the first time a young child is exposed to inappropriate material is early as age six, and they do so because on the playground an older child may mention something, and they come home and they Google it. And they begin to become hooked. But we understand in verse 23, in the evening and the morning were the fifth day, and God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beasts of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and cattle of their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And then we find in verse 27, so God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. think. All right. And the other verse, not Genesis 1, Genesis 2. That's the verse I was like, that doesn't make sense. All right, chapter 2, verse 23. There we go, wrong reference there. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So God has clearly defined relationships, but he's also defined as Jesus would would put out uh, about our mindset. And we must deal with thoughts. Uh, Thankfully, you know in this uh, up here uh, we don't have like you might have down in florida and stuff with the beaches and st- stuff all over but uh, nevertheless there still needs to be a guarding of our thoughts and uh, there must be an understanding to bring every thought captive to the obedience of christ the cheating eyes here is 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 given i've entitled it stop your cheating eyes is really about considering our thought life. If we love God, we're going to guard our mind. We're going to deal with those thoughts that come. We're going to lay them aside. Am I saying that there won't ever be temptations? I'm not saying that. There will be temptations. Uh, The thought may come, and you discard the thought immediately. That's what David should have done with Bathsheba, but he didn't. And So the appropriate actions is, if it is something that is a challenge, talk to someone, someone that you can trust and bring this situation before so that you can walk with them in humility and understand to find victory. That's ultimately what ought to happen. And so I don't know how the Lord may have spoken to your heart this evening. We'll have a short time of invitation with no music this evening, but uh, just we need to be careful. We're in a day and age of tremendous, tremendous Uh, Evil that is so available, and unfortunately, it's available uh, even in our most secret places where we can be. And we can go to bedrooms, you can go to other places and hide out and do that which is quite grievous to the Lord. And I trust that is not the case. That we would put up filters and guards in our lives to protect us. So, with heads bowed and eyes closed, when you're done praying, feel free to look up. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you might be watching. I do trust that you would put your faith in Christ. You know what, God can forgive all sins. All sins but the refusal of Jesus Christ. So I trust if you've never accepted Christ that you would accept Him as your Savior this evening. When you are done praying, feel free to look up and I will conclude in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I do thank you for this evening. Lord, I thank you for your grace. Father, I thank you that uh, you give us some admonition from your word uh, with respect to our thought life. God, we do live in a day and age that seeks to defile our thinking. uh, And there is so much hurt in our society because of defiled thoughts. Uh, God, there is an undermining of the value of humanity, of others, because of this defiled thinking. And Lord, I pray that as your lights, as your ambassadors, Lord, that that would not uh, be the testimony of our lives. And if it is, Lord, I pray that we would have the humility to say, I need help. And to find the compassion and care that can come from those who walk with God that can walk and help to find victory. Lord, I yield tonight to Thee. I love You. A little bit more difficult and challenging of a topic, but Lord, I thank You for Your grace. I love You. And Lord, I thank You for all that You will do. Help us have a wonderful evening. And help us this week as we serve You. In Your precious name.